welcome, welcome, welcome to Prophets of the Nation Autumn Miller's podcast on this beautiful Saturday here in America. Uh, it is beautiful out. It's nice and warm. The sun is shining. And we thank God for uh, seeing another day. So on Thursday nights on Crosstalk Outreach Ministry, my home outreach um, church, what we call an outreach um, under the direction of Pastor Mark Miller, um, we do our Bible studies on Thursdays, and we've been going through Journey of a Lifetime. It's a study um, that goes 52 weeks, um, and you go through the whole Bible, and you get a certificate. And um, I stopped, I got a quickening in my spirit. I don't want to go back to, we normally do it live on through our Facebook account because we got a lot of virtual uh, outreach members and uh, families that we like to call them, but um, out there. And But I got a quickening in my spirit that we're getting more people coming to our outreach, watching and participating. And... I know, you know, you just know some are for you, some to be there to be nosies, and I want people there to for the right reasons. So I close and I'm closing off the Bible study. They will have to get a link to the Zoom. Well, the Zoom sometimes don't act right. So today I'm going to follow up because I want people to get the information. Um, do this on my podcast, and we can try different virtual avenues basically until we get it. And at the end, we'll get a certificate. And um, we thank God for Sister Jamie and those coming faithfully that come in and um, listen to and bought the um, the Journey of the Lifetime booklet, right? And we just uh, just we just wanted to say thank you, and we hope that you're getting fed the word and the understanding. Also, we I want to let you know the good news that we're working on. Okay. And this is this is a God thing. I'm telling you, this is the Lord. This is the Lord. Because I've been, as you guys follow my ministry, and um, incorporating it into crosstalk as well. Because Pastor Mark Miller, um, he, you know, he has his group of people he ministers to, and I have my group of people I minister to. We, but we minister together. If that makes sense, I hope that does. Um, how God uses him is how God uses him, how God uses me is how God uses me, and what God shows me and is what God shows me, and God shows him and shows him. You know what I mean? So I hope that's not confusing. When I say this, I say this, and we kind of, we help each other. We 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 work together, but I, I also, in the prophetic ministry, I, I see a lot of warfare, you know, a lot of different other things that he doesn't always catch. And, and um, so I told him in our outreach, I want to get people to start um, going through spiritual warfare because a lot of churches, people will get saved, they'll go through their membership class, they'll go to Bible study, but they'll learn nothing about spiritual warfare when the enemy comes in like a flood, okay? And when you're being attacked and you feel oppressed or oppressed, um, depressed, anxiety, you're being um, you know, attacked by the enemy or some form of fashion and you come up against the spirit, how do we do that? Or some people, you know, when they go through things, they leave God and all that. So now we have Apostle Harris, a good friend of mine for many, many years to me and Pastor Mark. Um, he has a class that he now offers for spiritual warfare. Oh, and it is good. So we're going to be requiring those of you 
that are part of our outreach. And maybe those that just, you know, are not a part. It doesn't everybody, but specifically those two that are a part of our outreach. Um, you guys are really going to have to go through this class. And the course, you'll graduate from it. You get a certificate as well. The course is $200 to take. Now you say, whoa, $200. Oh, my God. We're going to teach you how to save. We're going to see if we can help also with those who want to go to the school um, of the prophetic. We will, you know, we're not going to leave you hanging, basically. Now you say, well, why do I got to pay like 200 Because you know why? The same reason why I make the basketball players and the basketball tournament pay for their registration. Because when people pay for stuff, they show up, okay? And when I'm saying I'm putting school together and nobody's coming, it's definitely a problem. So it's more or less to secure your spot, your spot and put the accountability on you to be there. So Apostle Harris is not wasting his time on students. So we are really want you to be a student of his prophetic schooling. Um, I, he, he'll explain all that to you. You'll hear a commercial. He's getting a commercial over to me soon, so you'll hear that. All right, I don't want to waste too much of your time. Please, and I mean please share this with whoever you can um, and all that. Let me, let me get people in here. Those of you that Just want to let you know if you hear any belch, I am so sorry, guys. I got absolutely fed today up really bad. I ate a salad kind of late yesterday, and my absolutely breath is coming from this salad. So, pray for me on that. I really need help. I really, really, really need help on that. Okay, also, I want to bring to your attention. Um, before we get started, just to buy some time here, I shared um, I shared a post on our outreach about an app that children can use. It's a calculator app, but it's really a calculator app that hides hidden secrets like posts and pictures and and stuff like that. So it's an app that if it's open and you look down on your kid's phone, it just looks like a calculator. But if you would tap it and open it up. You can see pictures. You'll see pictures and all kind of stuff. So you definitely want to go to our Crosstalk Outreach Ministry page and take a look at that. Hopefully you guys can hear me. And I got new equipment coming again to try to get this um, podcast sound together. So I hope this works. Okay. So here we go. Let's tap into the Bible study. Now, with that in mind, let's jump right in. Okay, the Gospel of Luke is what we're going to look at today. All right, and so um, first of all, as we've done for the other two Gospels, Mark and Matthew, we want to give an overview of the details of the Gospel of Luke. Now, just a little bit of a review. Mark was Peter's scribe, and so we believe that Mark was primarily communicating Peter's version of the Gospel since Peter was an eyewitness of these things. 
and uh, Peter was, or excuse me, Mark was presenting a picture of Jesus as a suffering servant. He was always on the action. He was moving, and it was a a, a dramatic three-act play that we talked about. If you've missed that, go back and watch part one. But essentially, Mark portrays Jesus as a man on the move who is active, who is always healing. And that's the reason why the literary theme for Mark is healings and miracles, because he knew that a Roman person would be heavily impressed with a man who was able to do things in a divine way. And so Mark was wanting to prove that Jesus was more than a man. He was the son of God. 7% of Mark is unique. The other 93% of Mark is found in the other Gospels. Last night, we came back and looked at Matthew. And if you missed that, go check that one out. But Matthew had a different purpose. Matthew was living in Palestine at the time. And so, therefore, he was writing his his Gospel to primarily a Jewish audience. And so his mentality was, Let me figure out how I can convince these Jewish people that Jesus Christ is indeed the prophesied Old Testament Messiah that they were expecting and looking for. And so Matthew took a different approach than Mark. He said, you know what, I'm going to use some of Mark's gospel, but I'm also going to use some information from another source. And I'm going to take a teaching here, a parable there, a story here, a healing from here. And Mark, or excuse me, Matthew, more than any of the other gospel writers, utilized and referenced the Old Testament Jewish scriptures in an effort to try to convince these Jewish people that this Jesus that they just crucified was indeed the king of the Jews. And 42% of Matthew is actually unique to Matthew. Now today, we move on to the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we're going to look at who Luke was. He was a physician. Uh, He wrote somewhere around 85 to 90 AD is what we believe. The picture that he wants to present is that Jesus was a merciful Savior for all people. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. The unique feature of Luke is parables. So if Mark was focusing on the miracles and the power of God, and Matthew was focusing on the teachings because he broke his gospel up into five sections where Jesus taught in his sermons, five different sermons. Luke's focus is on the parables of Jesus Christ. And 59% of Luke is unique and only found in the gospel of Luke. Now, I'm going to take a different approach today with the Gospel of Luke, if you'll allow me. Now, in the first two days, we talked a lot about the, uh, a lot of the structure and a lot of the different things about Matthew and Mark. Because we have covered so much of the basic story, the basic outline, the order of events, right, from Jesus' birth all the way to his crucifixion, I'm going to take a different approach with Luke today. And what I'm going to do today is I am going to focus exclusively on the content, okay? I'm going to focus exclusively on the content that is unique to Luke and is not found in any other gospel so that you can specifically see how Luke is vastly different than the other three gospels. And we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today. So you grab your Bible, 
or your mobile device or whatever you use and flip along with me and read along with me because we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture, most of which is only found in Luke, which is how you're going to see how and why Luke is so different than the other Gospels. All right. Now, once again, just like we said before, just a way of review. We believe that Mark was the first gospel written, which is why we covered that on Monday night. And we believe that Matthew and Luke borrowed quite a bit of what's in their uh, gospels from Mark. But much of what's in Matthew and Luke was not in Mark. So the question is, where did they get that information? And scholars believe, if you've been tracking along with me for the first two days, that there was some other hypothetical document called Q. And in Q were sayings miracles, parables, sermons, healings, stories, events, and all sorts of other things about the life of Jesus. And so each gospel writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, grabbed a story from here, a parable from here, a saying from here, a sermon from here, an event from here. And they knew exactly what they strategically needed to do to convince their specific audience that Jesus was who he said he was. And so that's what we're going to look at today in the Gospel of Luke. Now, who was Luke? Who was Luke? Well, Luke was a Gentile, which is just another fancy name for non-Jewish. Okay? Non-Jewish person. He was a Gentile physician who was the traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. You can see the scriptures on the screen. And he also wrote the book of Acts. And interestingly enough, Luke's gospel is the only one that has a sequel to it, which we're going to see in just a moment. Now, in order to understand the gospel of Luke, it is really, really critical that you understand the cultural background in terms of the relationships between Jews and Gentiles. That's going to become very, very important as we come along. So I'm going to read this here. So follow along with me. The Gospel of Luke, together with the book of Acts, the second volume of his work, make up about 27% of the New Testament, which is more than the entire Pauline discourse, more than all of Paul's letters. The Gospel of Luke is the longest book in the New Testament. Luke, now here is the key. Don't miss this. Luke, being a Gentile, understood what it was like trying to fit into what was seen as an extension of the Jewish religion. Gentiles have always been treated as enemies and unclean people in the eyes of the Jews. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a second, but you're probably already figuring out why Luke is my favorite gospel. Has anybody out there ever struggled to fit in? Have you ever felt different? Have you ever felt rejected? Have you ever felt like an outcast? Have you ever felt marginalized? Have you ever felt like maybe because you didn't have all the money that you want, that, or maybe because your personality was different, or maybe because you made a ton of mistakes in your life, and you have come to the conclusion that maybe God doesn't love you, maybe God cannot accept you, maybe God can't use you anymore because of all of the crazy, bad, poor decisions and the mistakes that you made in your life. If that describes anybody that I'm talking to, Luke is going to quickly become your favorite gospel, and I'm going to hopefully convince you of that before our time is over. All right? So uh, let's keep going. 
For this reason, after salvation was offered to the Gentiles through Christ, the Jews made it difficult for Gentiles to get saved. For instance, they would require that Gentiles become Jews first, a process called proselytizing, and then become a Christian. Gentiles were told they had to adhere to all the Jewish laws first before receiving forgiveness. Luke writes his gospel clearly to let his Gentile community know that Jesus loves and came to save them just as he did the Jews. Are you picking up on it? Luke was writing his gospel to convince a community of people that Jesus didn't just come for the highly aristocratic, highly upper class, religious, perfect people and all of the Jewish people. No, no, no. Jesus came to save those who were lost. All right. Now, why did he write his gospel? Let's clarify that again. Luke wrote his gospel, according to Luke chapter 1, to write a better, more accurate gospel to an individual named Theophilus. Now, Theophilus is, just, is a name for lover of God. Thea means God. Phila means love of. So lover of God is his name. Now, Luke, being a Gentile, once again, sought to persuade primarily the Gentiles that Jesus was the perfect man. And that the scope of his salvation, you're going to hear me say this again and again and again and again and again until it really, really drives home. The scope of Jesus' salvation was universal, including everyone, no matter your class, no matter your color, no matter your gender, no matter your socioeconomic status, or even your physical appearance, Jesus came for you. Dennis, thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciate that. All right. Now, Luke tells us his purpose. Many, many, he acknowledges that many people have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. And notice that Luke says, hey, I got some of my information for this, for this gospel from eyewitnesses, original eyewitnesses and servants of the word that have handed this oral tradition down to us. And so he says, so it also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first. So, so Luke says, I have looked into this, right? I've actually interviewed people. I've actually gone and spoken to eyewitnesses. I've spoken to these people. I've interviewed them. I've, I've carefully went out of my way to ensure that this is an orderly account, all right? And so he says, I went out of my way to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. So Luke says, okay, I recognize that Matthew and Mark and maybe some other people wrote about this, but I'm going to go on, I'm going to go out there and really make sure that I present a gospel that is orderly because I've investigated everything. Now I want you to notice here the sequel book in Acts. Notice it says here in Acts 1.1, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. So we see here that Luke's gospel, Luke and Acts, should be read together because they are really two volumes of one story. 
two volumes of one story. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay, so how does Luke do it? I'm going to point out to you today, in this video, six very distinctive literary features of the Gospel of Luke that help us understand how Luke specifically accomplished his goal of showing and proving that Jesus' uh, salvation was universal. Let's jump into it. Literary feature number one. Luke's genealogy demonstrates the universal scope of Jesus' salvation. Now let's look at his genealogy. Now you might recall that Mark's genealogy was just one verse. Jesus is the Son of God. He knew that his Roman audience would not be interested in all of those Jewish names, so he cut that out. Matthew took his genealogy and needed to prove that Jesus was related to Abraham so that he could say that Jesus was a Jew. And then he also had to prove that Jesus was related to David because of a promise that God had given David that one of his uh, descendants would always be on the throne and he would have an eternal throne. But I want you to notice here that Luke does that. He says that Jesus is the son of David. He also says that Jesus is the son of Abraham. But Luke, unlike the other three gospel writers, goes a little bit further and says that Jesus is the son of Adam and the son of God. Now, what is he trying to do? He is trying to prove that Jesus' salvation, that Jesus has come for all people, not just people who descended from David, not just people who descended from Abraham, but no, no, Jesus came to save everyone because he is the son of Adam and the son of of God. Okay? So that's the idea behind his genealogy and why it's a little bit different than the others. Now let's look to literary feature number two. How did Luke go about trying to prove, convince, and persuade his Gentile audience of misfits and outcasts and all these things that Jesus came for them to? Well, Luke highlights Jesus' overall mission for the Gentiles and the outcasts. Watch this now. Watch this. Simeon, his prophecy in Luke chapter 2. For my eyes have seen your salvation. This is when Jesus was a baby. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. That Jesus would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. So even when Jesus was a baby, right, there was a prophecy by a man named Simeon, who, and Simeon saw that Jesus' salvation was going to be a light for the Gentiles. Why is it that Luke included this story in his gospel, this prophecy in his gospel, and the other three did not? It's because of Luke's purpose, right? It's because of Luke's purpose. Let's keep going. Watch this. Oh, you're going to like this. Luke highlights not only the spiritual, but also the social implications of Jesus' earthly ministry. You need to get that. Jesus' mission 
is a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, which we're going to see and read in just a minute, to bring good news to every group of people, even those whom the society sees as rejects and outcasts. Let me prove it to you. Luke and only Luke, and most of what we're going to look at today is only found in Luke. Luke and only Luke includes this story. When Jesus was starting his ministry, there's a story where he comes to Nazareth, his hometown, it says here, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Now remember, this is only found in Luke, and there's a specific reason why Luke includes this. Notice it. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the rich, no, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the freedom, no, to those who are captive, and recovery of sight to those who can see, no, to those who are blind, and to set free those who are, no, oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you see what Luke is trying to do? He is trying to show that Jesus, the implications of Jesus' gospel is not just spiritual, it's social, right? He is coming to minister to the poor, to the blind, to those who are oppressed, to those who are needing to be free, to those who are outcasts. So, Karen, that's the reason why this is my favorite gospel, and you're going to see that. Now, I want you to notice here later on in that chapter that the Jews reject Jesus. And I want you to notice this. He also said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Mm -hmm. Okay, because they, the Jews rejected Jesus. That's right. And I want you to pay attention now to how Luke highlights Jesus' ministry. Watch this. Don't miss this. <clears throat> but I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, while a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but he was sent to a Gentile widow in Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman, a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, the Syrian. You see, when they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, intending to throw Jesus off the cliff. <laughs> Welcome. All right? Now, what's happening here? By including these stories... Luke makes it clear that just as the prophets of old, Elijah and Elisha, did not limit their ministries to the in-group, to the Israelites only, in the same way that Elijah and Elisha had a strong ministry to Gentile people, he's saying Jesus' ministry will be similar. Jesus will also not be a respecter of Gentile class or race. Are you getting this? Are you seeing why Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is choosing to include these stories when the other gospel writers did not include these stories there? 
let's keep going. Literary feature number three, and this is where we're going to camp out for a long time. Luke, more than any other gospel writer, highlights Jesus' specific love for a plethora of outcast groups. Let me reiterate this again. Have you ever felt like an outcast? Have you ever felt different? Have you ever felt rejected? Have yes. you ever felt like people have talked about you? Uh -huh. Have you ever felt like you're broke, busted, and disgusted? Have you ever been, um, uh, have you ever been uh, a, 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 a result of, of racism? People have been racist towards you. Have you ever experienced any sort of uh, mistreatment or favoritism because of your gender? I'm going to even go a little bit step further. Have people also mistreated you because maybe you are confused about your gender? Maybe you're confused about your sexuality. And this generation is treating you like an outcast, is feeding you the lie that Jesus does not love you, that Jesus cannot save you, that Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with you because you feel different. Luke is going to highlight how Jesus loves all of these groups that the society at that time would have seen these groups as total rejects and would not have wanted to have anything to do with these people. Let's jump into it. Redfin agents know what it takes to win in this housing market. If you're thinking about buying, talk to a Redfin agent. Thank you, Chris. Give me one second here. Oh, we're about to get into it. Let's look at this first group, a tax collector. We looked at tax collectors yesterday in Matthew's gospel, and we explained why tax collectors were so hated. They were hired by the Roman government, who was oppressing the Jewish people at this time, and they would purposely overcharge people the amount of taxes that were actually due so that they could skim some off the top and keep it for themselves. And so tax collectors were considered the lowest of the low when it comes to people that the Jewish people respected. But these are the people that Jesus was, was hanging out with, spending time with, and showing love towards. Notice it says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, or Matthew, that's his name, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So right away, Luke is highlighting the fact that Jesus is inviting a sinful uh, just decrepit and 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 uh, um, evil and despicable tax collector to be in his ministry. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi or Matthew hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there were a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them. Can you get the picture? Visualize this now. Matthew or Levi has this huge party because he's rich. That's another thing that they didn't like about these people because they were rich and they made their money dishonestly. And so he has this huge banquet and Jesus is there hanging out with them at the party with all of these tax collectors and sinners. Wow. And the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why do you do that? Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. 
I have not come to call you people, the righteous, mm -hmm. but sinners to repentance. Wow. Do you see that every chance Luke gets, he is trying to highlight Jesus' mission. Right. Every chance he gets. Now, let's look at how Jesus showed love towards the poor. Boom. Another group of people who would have been considered outcasts and rejects in the society. Luke 14, 1. One Sabbath, when he went in to eat at the house of one of the leading Pharisees, they were watching him closely. So visualize this now. Jesus is at a house of one of the leading Pharisees, and there's a banquet that was there. So Jesus was, you know, fair. He went to the house of the tactically, he went to the house of the Pharisees. He's hanging out with them, and while he is there, he tells them this parable. Bless and he says in verse 12, he also said, to the one who had invited him. This is the this is the Pharisee, mm -hmm. the self-righteous Pharisee. Bless when you him. give a lunch or a dinner, Welcome. don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors, because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. He says, don't do that. On the contrary, Mr. Rich, Righteous Pharisee, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor. Those who are maimed, those who are lame, and those who are blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Do you see this? Luke is trying to highlight that if you're broke, busted, and disgusted, if you're poor, he says, I accept you. I embrace you. I love you. I forgive you. I've come for you. Let's keep going. I told you we're going to be reading a lot of scripture today. This is the story. It's not a parable because Jesus never used proper names in parables. This is an actual story of a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. And I want you to notice how Jesus highlights that this poor man, uh, the, the plight of the poor man. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus was covered with sores and lying at his gate. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. I highlight the word gate for a reason. Pay attention to what's going to come next. So wait, actually, let me just go there. What is separating this poor man from getting into this rich man's house? A gate. A gate is separating this poor man from having access to where he wants to be, which is this rich man's house, where there is a plethora of food and provision. Keep that in mind. Now, what did this poor man want? He just wanted not a full meal, not a whole pizza, not a cheeseburger. No, he just said, I just want what fell from the, your table. But instead, the dogs would come and lick his sores. And one day, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Okay, so he said, I don't want much. I just want the scraps that fall from your table. Now watch the reversal. Watch the reversal. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Wow. There's a reversal. You see, the rich man said, I don't need a full glass. I don't need a gallon of water. I just need a little something to quench my thirst because I'm, I'm in agony in this flame. I just need a little something in the same way that just like Lazarus needed just a little bit of crumbs that fell from your table. He said, you just need a little something. 
But notice this. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. See, there's a reversal. Besides all this, a great gulf or great chasm has been fixed between us and you. Okay, so he says, hey, in the same way that there was a gate separating the poor man from the rich man, now there's a great space, chasm, or gulf that is separating this rich man from getting to the place where he wants to be, which is where the poor man is now. Jesus is highlighting this. This story is only found in the Gospel of Luke and not in the other Gospels. Here we go. Let's now take a look at another beautiful story. One of my favorite stories that is only found in Luke and not found in the other Gospels, the story of the prostitute. It says here, then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. Once again, he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. So she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, <laughs> this man, if he were a prophet, I don't even believe he is, but if he were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this was who was touching him. She's a sinner. She's a prostitute. She's a loose woman. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, well, say it, teacher. And he tells Simon this parable. And he says, Simon, there's two people who owe this man. One owes 50 denarii, the other owes 500, whatever, right? Neither of them are able to repay the person that they owe, right? And so the, he says, okay, I'm going to forgive I'm going to forgive uh, both of them. And, and he says, okay, Simon, who do you think is going to be uh, uh, more gracious and more, more thankful? And Simon said, well, the one that was forgiven more is going to be more thankful because he owed more. And to which Jesus says this, therefore, I tell you, her sins, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loves so much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. In other words, he says, because you don't understand the depths of your sin, because you think internally that you're actually better than this woman, because you've not committed the exact same sins as she has, because you don't understand that you are just as wicked of a sinner as she is, that's why she loves me more than you do, because she is in touch with her sin. She is in touch with the depths of her sin. Her total depravity. She knows that she's a sinner. She knows that she slept with too many men. She knows that she's wasted her life away on prostitution. You have not yet come to that understanding because you think that your sins are less than hers. Right. And that's why you can't love me the way she does. Boom. Jesus is teaching these messages to highlight his love for people who have made a mess out of their lives. That's why. You know what? That's why this is so – because I've made some mistakes, y'all. Yep. I've made some bad decisions in my life. Correct. I've, I've had those times, those days where 
where I've said, Lord, man, I, 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 what am I doing? Why have I done this? And to know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves me in spite of the poor decisions that I've made, that's why Luke's gospel is my favorite gospel. Let's keep going. Those who are lost. Now, one of the most famous parables, some of the fa most famous parables, the parable of good, great, uh, good Samaritan, the parable of the prodigal son are only found in the gospel of Luke, not in Matthew, not in Mark, not in John. Now, notice the context here. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man, here they go again. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Now, we're not going to read the parable because you know the parable of the prodigal son. Okay? But this set of parables contrasts two groups, the religious and the rebellious. Wow. So I want you to notice this, right? What do you have here? You have two groups of people, the tax collectors and sinners, whom Jesus is hanging out with, and the Pharisees and scribes who were complaining about Jesus hanging out with these two other groups. So what does Jesus do? He sets forth three sets of parables, all about things that are lost, right? All about things that were lost, sheep, a uh, silver coin, and a son. Why is he doing this? He's trying to highlight that Jesus has come for people who have lost, who are lost, people who are prodigal, people who have made a mess of their lives, and they've come to their senses, just as verse 17 says. And that prodigal son comes running back to the father saying, look, I'm so sorry I messed up. I wasted all of your money. And the whole moral of the story is that Jesus loves both groups. He loves the religious group, but he also loves the rebellious group. Right. That's good. That's the story and the purpose on, of somebody. the parables in Luke. That's good. 15. Now look at this. Even towards the end of Luke, we see that Jesus is still showing love for a group of people that society would have considered an outcast. Even on the cross, there's a committed criminal, a criminal. He is sentenced to die. Mm -hmm. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Have you ever wondered why that story is only in Luke and not in Matthew, Mark, and John? Could it be that Luke is trying to highlight that even if you've made a mess of your life all the way to the end and you're on your deathbed, yeah. you're getting ready to die. And you have not shown any regard for God throughout your entire life. I still love you. And I still want to save you. Absolutely amazing. See, if you just came to this series thinking that these gospels were just randomly thrown together, I hope you're seeing that these gospel writers were intentional about what they selected and what they chose not to select. So all of this ministry to outsiders is, is creating a stir with the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Molly, thank you for the super chat. I really appreciate that. 
So notice this conflict starts to emerge. On a Sabbath, he passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating them. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? See, there's some conflict that's brewing because they don't like what Jesus is doing. Then the scribes and Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to the disciples, who do you, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now this leads Jesus to totally uproot their entire value system by introducing the value system of his kingdom, which scholars have referred to as the upside-down kingdom. Notice it now. Luke says in chapter 6, Blessed are you who are poor, and woe to you who are rich. Then he says, Blessed are you if you're hungry. Then he also says, Woe to you if you are now full, and you have all the food and all everything that you ever want in your house. Your refrigerator is full. He says, blessed if you are weeping now, and woe to you if you're laughing now. He says, blessed if people hate you, and woe to you if all people speak well of you. You see, Jesus is turning up, he's, he's flipping up, he's turning, he's flipping upside down their entire value system. Woo! Literary feature number four of six. Luke goes out of his way to highlight the faith of outcast groups as opposed to the faith of Jewish people. He wants to show every chance he gets that outcast groups, he wants to highlight them in the most positive light he possibly can. So watch what he does. Watch how he does this. Let's look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're not going to read it, but you know the story here, okay? There was a man who was on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem, uh, may have been the other way around, and so he is beaten badly and robbed and left on the side of the road. Well, guess what? A priest goes and sees him and says, uh, Nah, I can't do anything because you're beaten up and you're bloody. And if I touch you, I might be ceremonially unclean. So he passes. And then a Levite passes by. But then a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So we see that Luke goes out of his way to include this parable. Other gospel writers did not. Why? Because he wants to show that this Samaritan was the hero in the story. This Samaritan, he paints this Samaritan in a more positive light than he does the priest or the Levite. Let's look at Zacchaeus, a hated tax collector. And let's show Let's see how Luke highlights the faith of this hated tax collector. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was not just a tax collector, a chief tax collector. And he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Erm Emery. I appreciate that. 
But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Now notice this. Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Wow. That, my friend, is repentance. That is repentance. Here's a very rich man who has acknowledged that as a tax collector, he has defrauded people. He has cheated people. And he says, you know what? I am so sold out for you, Jesus, Mm -hmm. as a hated tax collector, that I'm willing to give half of all my possessions to the poor. And from what is left over, I am going to repay all the people that I swindled times four. My God. Wow. Welcome. And Jesus commends this man's faith and Luke goes out of his way to highlight that this man demonstrated true faith in God. Almost there, guys. Almost finished. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. Now, here it is. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. All right, here we go. Lepers. Do you remember that Jesus healed ten lepers? Mm -hmm. Well, notice, but one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Hmm. Samaritans were hated by Jews. Uh, Why? Why were they hated by Jews? Well, you have to understand that when in the Old Testament the Jewish people were displaced from their land, there were still some of them that were left back there. And there were some uh, uh, Assyrians and other people who came to move into the land. Well, many of the Jewish people who were in the land started intermarrying with these pagan other nations. And their offspring were considered Samaritans. So they were like a half-breed. They were kind of considered traitors. They were kind of considered that they had went against what God had clearly said, do not intermarry with these other nations. So they were not respected. They were hated by the Jewish people. And so for that reason, they were cast out. And Luke goes out of his way to commend the faith of these groups. Jesus said, were there not ten that I cleansed? Where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Wow. Thank you, Murray. God bless you. I appreciate that super chat. Thank you so much. Now watch this. According to the ceremonial laws of uncleanness, Jesus was not permitted to even touch a leper without going through the proper process of cleansing. However, Jesus never allowed that to hinder him from ministering to them. Jesus says, I don't care about any sort of becoming unclean. If I touch this leper, I love you. I want to minister to you. I accept you. I embrace you. Even if it means 
I have to take upon myself your uncleanness. My God. Wow. Look at this. Jesus now goes out of his way to highlight in a parable the faith of the tax collector versus the faith of a Pharisee. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Wow. He said two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not greedy. I'm not unrighteous. I'm not an adulterer. And I'm even not like this little tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of everything I get. Do you ever know anybody like that? Yep. Who thinks they're more righteous than everybody else? Yep. Because they don't do the same things that they look down upon other people for doing? Thank you for the lights. Everybody hit lights. But the tax collector standing far off, he wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven, but he kept striking his chest saying, God, have mercy on me. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this one, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke is highlighting the faith of these groups. Let's move to literary feature number five. One more to all, go. All my ladies are going to love this. One more to go after this. Then we're because going. Luke highlights Jesus' love and acceptance of women in this culture. Boom. More than any of the other gospel writers. You see, in a culture where women's contribution to society was limited to domestic responsibilities and childbearing. Ooh, ladies, you're going to love this one. Jesus openly affirmed the ministry of women uh -oh. in his earthly ministry. Uh -oh. As a matter of fact, the word woman occurs 43 times in Luke as compared to 49 times in both Matthew and Mark combined. Boom. Let the church say amen. amen. <laughs> All right? All right, brother. Now watch how Luke specifically goes out of his way to highlight the ministry of women and to raise the bar. Because you have to understand, women uh -oh. were not respected in this society. That's right. They were also considered a lower tier of people. Jesus says, no, not so. Not so. Right? Let's keep going. I want you to notice here that the birth narratives of both John the Baptist and Jesus are told not from the man's perspective, but from the woman's perspective, from Mary and Elizabeth, respectively. Wow. Excuse wow. me, it should be Elizabeth and, and uh, Mary, sorry. Okay, Elizabeth for John the Baptist and Mary for Jesus. So both birth narratives are told from the woman's perspective. Let's keep going. There is a prophetess named Anna, who only shows up in Luke's gospel once again. It says there was also a prophetess, Anna. That means she was speaking on behalf of God, y'all. Okay? That means she was speaking on behalf of God. A daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God 
and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, Jesus highlights this woman's prophetic ministry. Mm. It says it right there in the text. Boom. It says it right there in the text. The text. Okay. Luke includes that. All right. Luke also shows how many women support, were, were, were supporting Jesus' ministry, both physically and financially. Luke includes these Gospels. Notice in Luke 8. Afterward, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. And, okay, Mary called Magdalene. Seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa. He mentions these women by name. Herod's steward. Susanna and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. Luke says, you know what? Women have a role. Women have a place. I value women. He wants to restore the dignity of women and their contribution to his ministry. Let's look at how Mary and Martha accepted Jesus into his home. While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice. And it will not be taken away from her. Thank you, Martha, for that super chat. Appreciate that. So we see that Jesus is highlighting these women and how they have supported him throughout his ministry. Now watch this. Luke also highlights how it was the women who followed Jesus from the courthouse to his crucifixion. It was the women who followed him from when he was being arrested and on trial all the way to his crucifixion. Notice what it says in verse 49, Luke 23. But all who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. A few verses later, we got five minutes the left. women who had come with him from Galilee <clears throat> followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. It was the women. Boom. It was the women Boom. that tracked with him every step of the way, even to where his body was placed. Sounds and like then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. Come on. And they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Mm -hmm. Jesus is showing how beautifully women supported his ministry. Amen. And Luke highlights that effort. Mm -hmm. in, addition, in addition to this, yeah. Luke chose to feature parables of Jesus that featured women such as the parable of the lost coin in Luke 15 and the parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge. These are parables where the woman is seen as the heroine mm -hmm. in a positive light. Boom. Literary feature number six is the final one. 
in an attempt to portray Jesus as the perfect man. Luke highlights Jesus' humanity in, a, in multiple ways. You see, Luke wants to prove that not only is Jesus the perfect Savior for all mankind, but he's a perfect man. He wanted to show how Jesus, uh, some things about Jesus' humanity that he knew his audience would be able to relate to. So what does he do? Well, he talks about prayer. Jesus praying more than the other gospel writers. In the four gospels, 15 occasions of Christ praying are reported, 11 of which are found in Luke. All right, let's look at a couple of them. Luke 6, during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. While he was praying, Luke 9, in private, and his disciples are with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? He's focusing on the humanity of Christ, the prayer life of Christ. He also focuses on Jesus' emotions. As Jesus approached and saw the city, he wept for it. Then later on in Luke 22, being in anguish, he prayed, there it is, more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Mm. He's trying to highlight that Jesus is the perfect man. Mm. So this is my final slide to you today. The main idea behind the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus is the Savior for all people, no matter your class, no matter your color, no matter your conduct. And therefore, we should treat others the same way Jesus did. My message to you today is this. The Gospel of Luke is my favorite gospel. Because if you can relate to any of the stories in Luke, maybe you can relate to the story of the prostitute. Maybe you can relate to the fact that maybe you were disabled and you were a leper. And nobody wanted to be around you. Nobody wanted to get close to you. Nobody wanted to even touch you. But Jesus did. Maybe you can relate to the tax collector. People just didn't like you. Maybe they didn't like you because you made too much money and they were jealous of you. Whatever it is, maybe you relate to the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. You knew better. Yep. But you did your own thing and you went your own way. And you made all sorts of poor decisions in your life. Poor decisions. And because of those decisions, you have deduced that certainly God cannot have his best plan for your life. Maybe you've slept with too many men. Maybe you've slept with too many women. Maybe you're hooked on an addiction that you can't seem to break free. Maybe you're here and you've been divorced once, twice, maybe even three times. And you've got that big D on your chest. And you think that God doesn't love you and Jesus can't do anything with your life. Or maybe you've committed adultery. I don't know what particular sin that you are identifying with today. Mm. But let the Gospel of Luke be a reminder that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, you are not too far out of the reach of the mercy, grace, love, and forgiveness 
and even the salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is the message of the gospel of Luke. Amen, y'all. So, wow, that was really good. Did you guys enjoy that and take some in? I'm going to give you a moment. I hope you guys can hear me. Let me know if you can hear me. Um, I'm going to give you a moment and um, comment below some of the things that you're going to walk away with on today, what you learned or what you'd like to expound on in Jesus' name. Um, Also, we are doing – our Bible study is called the – um, journey of a lifetime it's a book that you have to buy and we were already in up in the new testament and we're on the chat we're in the book of luke well i follow um brother allen and i asked if i could you know i wanted to share some of his teachings and what i'm here just to give you guys a little bit more um you know a little bit more um information on the book of luke and uh that's why i wanted to share that with you today and it was really good. It opened up my eyes on some things, too. But follow our Bible study on Crosstalk Outreach Ministries on Facebook. Um, you have to have the Journey of the Lifetime book order to um, follow along. Some of you guys have purchased it and never came to any of the Bible study. I'm not trying to put you down or anything. I'm just telling you the truth. Um, you don't want to purchase it if you're not really going to follow through on the Bible study. Just try to... You know, if you want to get involved, you're more than welcome to do that. Because once we go through it, we're going to move on to the next thing. We're already into the book of Luke. Um, And we're going to come back to doing a journey of a lifetime again. But right now, we're just going through it this time. Then we're moving on to something else. But eventually, the the journey of a lifetime booklet, you can find it on Google. Just Google it up. It'll pull up. And you get a binder. And you get um, the 52-week lesson. And um, it all comes in one. It comes in the mail. And um, we're on chapter. We're in the New Testament. Let me get it together. I'm so so excited. We're in the New um, New Testament in the Book of Luke. That's where we're at. And with everybody that's at Crosstalk Outreach Ministries, we are going through it. And then at the end of it, you get a certificate that you completed a 52 week Bible course. Okay, guys, it's very important. And I think all churches, really, if they if they know about Journey of a Lifetime, this is something that they should um, make their whole church go through. I mean, you could preach off of it. <laughs> you could preach off of it and all kind of stuff. So comment below uh, what you learn, what you what you going to take from today. Um, and also like the show, follow the show, share with a friend. That just helps me get up to um, – move up on the status when y'all come on Podbean, you'll be able to see me it won't be hard to find me but it just means that i'm growing basically hello this is pastor mark meller i'm prophetess autumn meller's husband and i just wanted to take a short minute here and ask if there's anybody out there that does not know jesus christ and who he is and would like to get to know him and have a personal relationship I would just ask you, if you would, wherever you're at right now, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner and have broken your laws. I understand that my sin has separated me from you. I am sorry and I ask you to forgive me. I accept the fact that your son Jesus Christ died for me and was resurrected and is alive today. And here's my prayers. I now know my heart's open door and I invite Jesus in to become my Lord and Savior. 
I give him control and I ask that he would rule and reign in my heart so that his perfect will would be accomplished in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Congratulations. If you prayed this prayer in all sincerity, you are now a child of God. That's right. You roll with God in the kingdom. However, there's still a few more steps that you need to do to follow up your commitment. That would be get baptized in full immersion in water as commanded by Christ. Tell someone else about your new faith in Christ. Spend time with God each and every day. Prayer and in the reading of the Bible, his word. Amen. You all have a blessed day. Amen. So, um, Destiny, Sister Destiny said she wouldn't go home and read it today. I know, girl. That it was really good. It was really good. He's a good he's a good teacher. Would anybody like to say anything else? Any prayer requests, um, before we go? Um, I'm probably gonna come back on later. I probably will come back on with um worship um some worship a little later <clears throat> today john three sixteen, for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son those who should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life amen choose jesus this is baby j have a nice day Hey guys, I love you. I love you all. Thank you for tuning in and hanging in with me all the way to the end. I took some notes um, and um, hashtag what we do at Crosstalk Out Ministries. We'll take notes that stick out to us, then we'll hashtag it C T O M C Tom. That means Crosstalk Outreach Ministries. Um, so if you follow me on Facebook, I'm Autumn Miller or Prophetess to the Nation. Um, Autumn Miller. Uh, I normally share those on there as well let other people see it and hear about it but it was really good i got some notes down here we'll come back on if you guys enjoyed it i'll start doing coming back on uh, the podcast and sharing the bible study on here as well if not you can also get our um thank you for the likes if not you can thank um i said oh geez i'm I'm all all over the place today let me get myself together it's saturday (laughs) i'm off schedule i'm trying to get my thoughts and everything together but um, if you guys enjoyed it and you want to be a part of the journey of the lifetime, um, you can direct message us on Crosstalk Outreach Ministries on Facebook, and I will send a Zoom link to you. And um, if not, you'll just have to catch me on the pod beam. That's the best thing I can tell you on there. But thank you so much for coming, guys. It means a lot. It's encouraging. Let's encourage one another, and uh, let's grow together. So I love you guys. Please share. Please like and follow Please share on your timeline <laughs> and follow. You'd be surprised he's out there listening, okay? I, I pray to you guys to have a beautiful day. May the Lord bless you and be with you. And I speak Psalms 91 over you and your whole entire family. Go read Psalms 91 if you don't know what that is. Cover you in the blood. In Jesus' mighty name, I love you all. God bless you and take care. <laughs>